0: I'll come we're on that like that shot? Well, there's only two of us in the meetings.
1: Really? Yeah. We had uh, music in the park last
0: night. Yeah. And uh, and I went to
2: it. Oh, was, nice. Um, it was jazz. I got all that thrilled. Here we go. So I have us at chapter 11, verse 20. Is that correct? so right, everybody? So let's just glance back for a second. We were in chapter 11 last time hearing about Jesus talking about John the Baptist. Remember, Jesus heard that John was in prison. And then John sends the disciples and he says, Who did you go out to see? And then he talks about John. And it ended with Jesus saying, Wisdom is justified by her deeds. We talked about that for a while. All right, so now he's changing the topic a little bit. Would somebody read for us verses 20 through 24? Go ahead, Elaine. <laughs> You're <laughs> avoiding my stare.
1: They <laughs> <laughs> we were all looking down. <laughs> then he began to review the cities in which most of his mighty work had been done because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, in sackcloth and ashes. But I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven, will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Saddam, it would have remained until this day. But I say to you that it shall be more tolerable tolerable for the land of Saddam in the judgment than for you. All
2: right. Whoa. And you don't know the half of it. (laughs) By the time we're done, this will be one of the most frightening for us sections of scripture. Worse than revelations?
0: Worse
1: than revelations. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I should have
0: skipped.
2: <laughs> so, who is he? Um, mine says upbraiding. Yours says, what was the word? Rebuke. Rebuking. Who is he rebuking? Mm-hmm. Verse 20. <coughs>
3: What the, the towns that he had done that had seen most of his work
2: okay so he's talking about cities and obviously the people in the cities right. um particularly where his mighty works had been done yeah. and what was what was he upset about because they didn't repent they didn't right. repent okay so i want us to hold on to what is jesus's goal he's upset not because they didn't say, oh, look at you, you're powerful, or whatever other reaction they could have had. He's upset that seeing what he had done, the mighty works, they did not repent. So repentance, you hear me preach about it a lot, and I want you to see that I'm not making that up. This is what Jesus is is coming to bring us or, or offer us, repentance. And then what he's going to do is, is uh, tell us. Why would something? they
4: repent? Why would they why would they have to repent for the things that Jesus did?
2: Ah, see, Alan always asks the best question. Oh, okay. <laughs> Who has an answer for him? Why would the mighty works lead to repentance? Well,
5: because it reveals to us really how unworthy we are when we when we're in the presence of God's mighty works, his healing power and I Means humbles you, so you realize you should realize, or we, sh- we should realize, you know what state we're in. We're not in the state of holiness. We're we're contrasting that holiness with our state.
2: There you we go. Your repent. Okay. So and Rick, you're right on. Holiness is the issue, not power. Right. Human beings tend to think in terms of power, primarily, because power is what you need if God is not the sort of operating uh, person, protector, force in your life. So if you don't have God, if you don't have protection, your personal power is the thing you default to. Why? Because you don't have God as the power, therefore, you got to be the power. Mm-hmm. And that's the great temptation, not only of our day, it's always been the temptation, only the difference in our day is, more of us have access to power, right? We can buy locks for our doors. We can buy alarm systems. There are things that we can do that provide power. We can buy guns. We can do all kinds of things that give us power. What people often mistake interacting with God is it's about power. It's not about power for him. It's, a, it's him reducing his power, saying, I'm going to empty myself to bring you to, as he says, he repentance. So he's the holy one, doing holy things in front of unholy people. Not that they would be afraid of him, but that they would repent. Um, what's the what, what's the most frequently heard miracle in the church year? Which one do we hear the most? Anybody have an idea? We hear it three times a year.
4: Either the blind or the paralyzed, paralytic.
2: Well, there are a couple different ones, and each, each one we hear once. This one story we hear three times.
6: Was it the? Was it the blind man? Blind
2: man? No. The
6: it was the pigs. The, game out. the pigs.
2: The pigs. You hear about the pigs three yeah. times a year. Uh
6: three little pigs there must be a <laughs> not, that's why thank
2: you susie now we know why I always think of the three little pigs <laughs> so there's the demoniac and jesus you know casts out the demons and they say don't send us the abyss let's go to the swine they go in the swine swine rushes down the hill and the people say to jesus leave, leave, us. leave us because leave they the get town. scared they're scared so
3: it's
2: they're scared of
3: his power
2: whether it's his power that they can't control or the fact that he just ruined their livelihood. We don't know, but they want him gone.
3: So then these two these two towns that we're talking about in here is they understand his holiness, but they're rejecting it?
2: So they witness something. They witness his mighty works.
3: But they don't understand?
2: Well, what he says is, if Tyre and Sidon, which were outside of that area, right? Tyre and Sidon is Lebanon, if those places had heard they would have repented long ago in other words he did things in chorazin and bethsaida he did miracles and they didn't repent and he's saying these outsiders if they had seen what you what you got to see they'd have repented long ago but that's why he says it's more tolerable in the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you
1: Those other
3: towns had more faith
2: no he they were outsiders but he's saying if even if the outsiders who don't have what you had. They had the law. They had all the, the teachings of the Old Testament. But here when they see Jesus doing what he's doing. They didn't repent. And he's saying those outsiders. Those people that you might call them. You know the, the country bumpkins. Would do better than you.
3: And when you say repent. What are we saying. Change.
2: Whatever it was that he wanted to repent of. He doesn't say. He doesn't say. But it's changing. So in other words, they they would have encountered an expression of God that his intention was that they would see that and like Rick is saying, recognize their unholiness before holiness, not their weakness before power. So his goal is not to scare them. His goal is that they would repent. And they didn't do it. By the way, When a lot of us have our weak moments, what do we say to God? Hmm. Hmm. I hear a lot of people say, you know, Father, if I would just see God, if you would just give me a little hint, show me something, give me a little demonstration.
3: We're asking him to prove
2: himself. We're not supposed to
0: do
3: that.
2: And here's why it doesn't work. He had done it there, and it didn't work. So it's always going to be within us to encounter God as he reveals himself, however powerfully or not. That power is not going to convince us. How do we know that? It didn't, George, it didn't beside
1: when yeah, He talks about that when he, he says that parable of the rich man that goes to heaven and is rejected from heaven. And he says, oh, please let me go to my brother. Mm-hmm. He says, no. Why not? Because they haven't heard yet, and uh, nothing that you would say would change their mind.
2: Even if someone were to rise from the dead, they wouldn't listen. Now, there's a twofold meeting in that one, right? They, even if, in face of the miracle, if they didn't listen to Moses and the prophets, they're not going to listen to you, risen from the dead. But there's another meeting who did rise from the dead. Mm-hmm. He did. And they still rejected him, most people. So all of our excuses, all of our sort of conditions, well, if God were to do this, then I would do this. They're really not valid. Those are our ways of hiding behind, not wanting to repent. Now, we don't know much about Tyre and Sidon. But then the other example he said, and you, Capernaum. Now, where was Capernaum? What was Capernaum? Anybody know what the significance of Capernaum was? In verse 23. I don't know. Capernaum was Jesus' adopted hometown. It becomes really? his base of operation when he's in Galilee, which is the north. So if you have your, your maps, if you look at your in the back of your Bible, you'll see find the New Testament one. Let's see, I'm going to page number for here. Uh, keep going the other way.
5: That's so why did he point out Capernaum then?
2: If you have your 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 New Testament, um, look at what page is that? Page. It says the Holy Land in Christ time. It's map six. Those so of you have an Orthodox Study Bible.
3: So, but mm-hmm. how did how if that right. adopted town? Is that?
2: All right. So, are you all on map six? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Look. You'll see two bodies. You see the Great Sea, which is what we call the Mediterranean. Then the yeah. two inland bodies of water, you have the Salt Sea. And you have the sea on here. It's the Sea of Chinnereth, sometimes called the Sea of Tiberias, sometimes called the Sea of Galilee. Okay. It make it they kept Well, when Tiberius came along, he's like, name it after me. <laughs> he's the emperor. He gets to do that. All right. So look at... Um, Look down into the left of the Sea of Galilee, and you'll find Nazareth. All right, you see that? Yeah. All right, yeah. so that's Jesus' hometown. Remember, after he's born, and Joseph gets warned in the dream, takes him back to Nazareth. That's where he grows up. But when you follow the Gospels, you're going to hear him return time and time again to Capernaum, and you'll even hear at one point it says, "And he, while he was at home, he had a home." In Capernaum, it's up there on the Sea of Galilee, on the Sea of Genesaret, oh, top left, the so northwest coast. You see that? Yeah. Right on, right on the coast. Okay. You also see Chordazine and Bethsaida, very close by. So they're going to hear all about not only the things they're doing in their town, but they're going to hear what's going on in Capernaum.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Now, go to the top, go, go northwest from there and go along the coast of the Mediterranean. You'll see Tyre and Sidon.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: You see, Matt, you see Mount Lebanon listed there, 11,000 feet? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's Lebanon, Phoenicia, Phoenicia, Lebanon, um, ancient Phoenicia, modern day Lebanon. So that's not really, that's not a Jewish territory. Even Galilee wasn't their homeland. Remember, it was called Galilee of the Gentiles. So what he's saying is if the people who are way far away and outside of sort of, you know, what they would consider holy land. Mm -hmm. If I had done in front of them what I did in front of you, they would have repented long ago. Now, we don't know much about Tyre and Sidon. What's the other city he mentions in verse 23? Sodom sodom remember the story of sodom and gomorrah yeah Yeah. the old testament very wicked people and here he's saying you should be brought down to hate if the mighty works on you have been done in sodom it would remain until this day what did god do to sodom and gomorrah wiped it out wiped it clean gone but But I i tell you this is the frightening part It shall be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. Hmm. One of the most frightening verses in Scripture.
4: And The footnote says, because that city never saw Jesus' mighty works. To whom much is given, much will be required.
2: There you go. That is the most frightening verse in the Scripture. (laughs) (laughs) Because we Orthodox don't say we have a lot. We say we have everything. Right. Everything Jesus wanted to give to people as a resource or a, a way to follow him, we're going to make the claim that it's still absolutely present and intact in the church. Completely.
6: But that is not how most people interpret that last passage that Alan just read. What do you mean?
2: Too much is given?
6: Correct. They think of that only in um, physical wealth or property or you know status hmm. they don't think well
2: it, it as, could apply to that too
6: that's what you most know? people i think think
2: really yeah right i mean it's not that it doesn't mean that too i just think in terms of and why is it why do i know it's not just money this context this is all about repentance go back to verse 20.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: it's all about repentance so in other words if given everything they've been given they didn't repent it would be more tolerable it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and for you
6: but well, I don't think we If I'll speak for myself I don't think I ever viewed that I mean in that passage I understand it but that saying you know that is so often quoted I don't think most of the people who quote that think about it as being the faith all that God gave us in the faith right did you you ever view it that way
2: yeah and I think all those other things if you think about it if we're talking about our resources whether it's money or skills or time whatever it is the much refers to yeah if you think about it using it right is going to be defined by the faith in other words if you have lots of money and to whom much is given, much is expected. It's you've used that money for the purposes that the faith would tell you. This is what we use our money for, right? Or your so it's power. not necessarily separate. What's that?
6: Or your power, your position, you know? Right. If someone's in leadership, someone and so forth, that's a lot's given to them, so a lot is respected. absolutely respected in yeah.
2: yeah, and then I find it really interesting when Jesus is talking to Pilate. When he's before his, uh, his passion, his, his crucifixion,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, he, Jesus says to Pilate, unless the power was given to you from above, you would have no power. Correct. So even Pilate, this pagan Roman leader, his power came from God. Mm-hmm. So the scripture is always going to try to reorient how we see reality. And in this sense, it's power isn't the issue. Nothing is the issue other than have we repented? Have we changed, uh, as Rick said beautifully, so that our holiness reflects what God is doing in front of us? So God does his mighty works. We're not repenting, meaning we're, we're not accepting what he's giving us, and we're not changing the way that he's giving us the chance to.
4: That quote could also refer to um, the clergy and the bishops when you reference it uh, to whom much is given. You're given the keys to the kingdom through the earthly church, and you're required to help guide all of us to our salvation.
2: That's right, Mm -hmm. which is why St. John Chrysostom said the road to hell is paved with the skulls of bishops and priests.
0: Oh, oh Lord. Oh. I don't think.
2: Yeah. Did you all catch the moment? I was glad when it happened on Sunday. It it was quiet. So I hopefully you got to hear it. What the bishop said to the newly ordained priest. As he's handing him the lamb. The, the newly consecrated bread. For communion. Did you hear what he said to him?
6: He did say so. There was something
2: pretty powerful. That Gu- was it guard this something? He, he, yes. He, he,
6: kind of yes. Really take like this it. and guard it. Mm-hmm. What's that? Yeah. Guard it. Protect
2: it. For the rest of yeah. his yeah. life. Take this and guard it until the second coming of our yeah. Lord and God and Savior Jesus Christ,
6: right.
2: upon which it will be required of you. Mm. Or you might say, like, take this as a pledge or something like that. In other yeah. words, Alan, you're right. It's the bishops and priests are going to be judged based on how we executed what was given to us. And by the way, let me let me use this moment to say um, more people struggle with their priest than with most people in their lives. In other words, if if you have somebody you struggle with, Priests are higher on that list than like your lawyer or your doctor or your dentist or your neighbor kid. or your kid, right? <laughs> because one, your priest isn't perfect. So there are legitimate things that are frustrating and they're annoying and they're disappointing and all that. That's true. But the other part is we're acting hopefully with the best purpose of our flocks knowing that they don't necessarily like what we're going to do but we're doing it for them it's like all of us you know if you have raised kids or you've taken care of kids what you do isn't always what they want but you know it's best for them so you do what's best right it's like it's like the and we, the we says, don't
4: always look at it that way
2: no <laughs> <laughs> no and that's why, and by the way, it's not just Orthodox priests. I read an article, and I think it said it was like something like 6 out of 10 or 7 out of 10 uh, full-time pastors have contemplated leaving ministry in the last 12 months. Wow. <laughs> now, they didn't all do it, obviously. A lot are, by the way. People, pastors are dropping out of, of ministry left and right. They said what? Huh. Why? Well, what, have, what have you seen? It's they talk about stress. They talk about the demands of the job. Um, you know, there's all kind of things that make it difficult.
6: Did they mention, However,
2: mention COVID? What's that? In
6: uh, did they mention that's, COVID in particular?
2: Do you um, I don't remember. I mean, but I don't think it was on you. It wasn't like sort of like that was that's where it began. It's been going on for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, that if you if you look at like the longevity of you know a generation a few generations ago you are you're a pastor and you do that the rest of your life
0: right.
2: you retired as a pastor um, we see, have America, a lot of what's that
5: I, I was going to say in America that's the thing people can church shop so easily because right. we are a consumer society. And if, you know, we don't like this one store, we go to another yada, yada.
0: Right. I
5: think that's the way Americans approach church, especially uh, non-Orthodox, although probably Orthodox too. But um, I think that's probably a big frustration. And one of the, one of the big uh, facts that I heard at the PLC last weekend was the Catholic church, has more people joining it every year than any other church the catholic church also has
2: more people leaving it every year than any other church (laughs) yep (laughs) yeah that that seems to be the story really of all churches and we're not exempt from that either we hear about how many people join the church and it's true but we lose a ton of people not just uh, not just people that grew up in the church converts Right. The rate of converts leaving the church is is much higher than people would imagine. Right, you're, but it, I
4: don't and know. You're
2: right. Like that—that's a factor in it in terms of the pastors. But you would think the pastors would be above that. You would think, okay, they're they've dedicated their life. They're not going to just church hop when life gets hard. But that's that's what's happening more and more. But I I think part of it is. um, it's one thing for things to be hard. It's one thing when you're doing something for someone's good and what they give you back is just anger and frustration. Then they go, you go, well, why am I doing this? I'm doing this for yeah. you. You don't want me to do it. Forget it. You know? Yeah.
4: I, uh, as I've greeted uh, people that I don't recognize at church, I've learned that um, they may be Orthodox or they may be um, inquirers or catechumens. And maybe they're new in town, and uh, they're going to, quote, check out all the churches, Holy Trinity, Holy Cross, St. George, St. Nicholas, whatever yeah. it might be. Did you see which, where they fit with their family? Right. Some of those I've seen, they end up at St. George, or they end up at Holy Cross. Some end up at St. Nicholas. It's well, you yeah. see, Rick, is uh, you see that often in... New people coming. Yeah. Leave a
3: comment.
2: Yeah, hang on just a second. and Just so you know, I encourage that because I know the likelihood of them sticking around and making it is going to be greater if it's a church that they feel more matches what they're looking for. Yeah. So for some families, they're going to be much more comfortable at Holy Cross than here Mm -hmm. and vice versa. So I say to people when they're coming to town, you know, check out all the churches, find the one that works best for you. We have a particular focus here and resources and abilities others ha- don't have. And they have other things we don't have. So, yeah, I encourage that. Are we are going to say, Linda?
3: Well, what I was going to say was, if you're saying people often leave the church because they have a problem with the priest, but the priest is... God's representative and you're following your true calling and if we're rejecting what you're saying to us even though it is for our own good if we don't like what you're telling us to do then aren't you really rejecting God
2: maybe maybe yeah
3: Like I'm gonna find a a minister or a priest that doesn't tell me to do this or tell me to do that then then that you are
2: and as a priest, the temptation is do what's going to get the best reaction, which is really more about for me, my own ease. In other words, if I'm going to make a decision that's going to make everybody happy, that it's, it's sure tempting rather than make a decision I know people aren't going to like. Right.
3: But you're doing it's you're being sincere, you're doing what mm-hmm. you think is best for this congregation or whatever congregation mm-hmm. and you are the, the leader of this flock, no matter how goofy we all are. <laughs> <laughs> and we are. So to go somewhere else, maybe they would go like you think you, you, they're telling them to check different churches out for, maybe they have more kids programs mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. But down, when you get down to the basics, it's important to consider still who you are as our priest.
2: That would be best for them. But I'm, my point to you is that all of us are tempted to not be confronted with our lack of repentance. Mm-hmm. So if I'm making a difficult decision as a priest, I'm saying, really, it's got to be like this. And the other person doesn't want to hear that. I'll give you an example. Uh, In a confession with somebody, I suggested they wait a certain time for communion because they were working something out.
4: Mm -hmm.
2: And they agreed. I didn't impose it. They said, yeah, that's probably a good idea. And they came up to the chalice and they asked for a blessing and I gave them the blessing and they went back. Other people in the church saw this. Mm-hmm. by the time i got to coffee hour there was like this mini riot that was brewing how oh. dare father not give this person communion oh my why
3: are they watching and it wasn't They're, even them why are they watching <laughs> when you're approaching because, because
2: you're- we are like these people where <clears throat> we want things to be the way we want them and we don't want to be confronted with
3: I know, but when you're approaching the chalice, that's your trip up there. You're not
2: supposed right. to be looking left and that's right. That's true. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying it's so. Again, I want to keep it, keep it on the on the on the what we're reading. It's easy for anybody to fall into the trap that these <laughs> cities that have been the ones that saw Jesus doing His mighty works, which is why He says. It will be more tolerable the day of judgment for these other outsiders and these terrible sinners than for you. And that's where, you know, the genius of repentance. If we, if repentance is our number one goal in terms of our spiritual life, because God is number one, therefore our number one action is repentance, we're not going to have a problem. Yeah,
3: I, I, will, I will tell you. Uh, personally sometimes i will not take communion if i'm feeling particularly upset or 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 mean or whatever i will not i won't take communion but i noticed that some of the people around me are kind of looking at me like well like why aren't you going up what's right. the matter with you no yeah that's a personal journey up there mm-hmm. and it's between us you and god that's my That's my comment for today. Mm Nobody else
2: is that. Right. But we make it our business. (laughs) Let me share a couple of quotes with you. Um, I love this one. At Bethsaida and Capernaum, the mute praised the Lord with their voices. The blind saw, the deaf heard, the lame ran about, and the dead came alive. Yet astonishment at such great miracles did not produce any disposition for faith. Hearing about the deeds alone ought to have called them to awe and faith. Yet this unresponsiveness is found not only in the small sins of Tyre and Sidon, but also with the great sins of Sodom and Gomorrah. The desire for belief would perhaps have come closer to them if, those, if these remarkable acts of virtue had really touched them. So again, the issue is not going to be what power do you recognize it's what do you seek in God with what he does show you and what do you do about it. Here's a St. John Chrysostom. It is not for nothing that Jesus mentions Sodom along with the others, he does this to heighten the charge against these cities. This stood as proof of their very great recalcitrance, for they were found to be as bad not only as other cities that currently existed, but as bad as other as any other that ever existed. Thus, elsewhere Jesus also makes incriminating comparisons, censuring them by the Ninevites and the Queen of the South. In those cases, however, the comparison was with those who did seek to do right, and in these cases with those who had grossly ignored God's coming. Ezekiel anticipated this intensity of expression when he condemned Jerusalem. You have justified your sisters in all your sins. These were cities where Jesus was prone to linger as a favored place. And not even at this does he hold back his speech. He makes their dread even more intense by saying they would suffer things more grievous than Sodom and Tyre. Jesus alarmed them when he used every possible means to reclaim them to repentance. So then
3: he did, okay, so he was very stern with these two towns and probably did scare them. Then <laughs> you think, why is Rick laughing? Yeah. <laughs> he probably did scare them a lot. Um, then would they have, do you think any of them had changes of heart? we don't know are they still weren't name?
2: well he's saying up until the point of this what he's saying here that up to this point they haven't but
3: could have later
2: they may have we don't know well that's the thing that the, the bible is not going to always we, we want to know how the story ends
3: well, right we still want to leave them behind that right you know yeah. but
2: who's the main character in the bible us Like, in other words, if we found out what happened to these cities, that's interesting. Does it touch the meaning of what he's teaching us? No.
3: No, we're supposed to learn from it and not be in those two, like those people. There you go, exactly,
0: yeah.
3: I don't know, I always think. I
2: gotta
1: (laughs) gotta quit thinking.
2: Any other thoughts or questions on this section? I think that's why it's uh,
5: orthodox teaching of, of putting on Christ and following Christ. That's the, the that's the thing that we gotta strive for to get over all this other stuff. And that's what yeah. that's that's what uh, probably priests have a the biggest problem with is that people are looking at them not at Christ.
2: Yeah. Well, and it's an easy temptation. Yeah, You know, if if you can, in a sense, um, invalidate what your priest is saying because you see his sin, well, that that makes you, you're off the hook now. Whatever he's preaching, you have to listen to because that guy, he's a hypocrite. (laughs)
0: I'm
2: not going to listen to him. And you can see how the devil's always working. He wants to nullify the power of God. And what's the power of God? To bring us to repentance. So by any means, he's going to nullify. So if that means, you know, it's because we put our faith in a person. Well, he'll use that temptation to say, well, yeah, but that person, they did. You know, any any chance he gets to weaken our faith in Christ.
3: God doesn't want us to be afraid all the time.
2: No.
3: I mean, he, he loves us. He doesn't want us to be afraid. But then no. when we read stuff like this and you think, oh, oops.
2: So what's his goal? To scare us?
3: No. No, I don't think so. Because he's a loving guy.
2: So what's his goal? Wake us up.
3: What did he
2: say? Wake us up. Yes. What was his goal for Trorezin and Bethsaida? He wanted
3: to, re- to repent Repentance. and bring them in, back into the
2: fold. Yeah. Yep. So that's, again, where, where we can get distracted on what God's, what, what is God really trying to do? It's by the way, it's why we always wonder like, why did he always tell people, like, don't he'd heal someone and say, well, don't tell anybody. Well, don't you like you would think, like, oh, if they told everybody, they'd all believe in him, and some did. But he knows that even that's not going to convince somebody who doesn't want to be convinced. They don't want to
1: read something on that yesterday. Yeah. And what it said was that maybe he said that because he wanted to limit. Maybe the number of people who needed healing from coming to him, because that, because if he was um, concerned with healing these crowds and crowds of people, everyone who needed healing, he wouldn't be able to continue on with his ministry to
0: touch the other people.
2: And what was yeah? Well, so what was his ministry?
0: Just to repent
2: that's it to preach the kingdom and how do we get to the kingdom repentance this is where again we can misunderstand we're not careful that's why i love when we study the bible carefully you get past our misunderstanding because you read it you go oh he might he healed all these people jesus must have come to heal everybody then we get sick and go gee why isn't jesus healing me? look he healed that one that one that one that one why isn't he healing me or somebody i love he didn't come to heal everybody He healed as part of the sign of who he was, but he came to do what? What does chapter 11, verse 20 tell us? To bring us to repentance. Why? Because that brings us to the kingdom that has no end, that has no death, that has no sickness. Because you can be healed of your sickness and then the next day get sick again. And someday until he comes back, we're all going to die. The only question is when and how. So he's coming to say all of those things... That's not what I came to do. I didn't come to just feed people because they wouldn't be hungry. Otherwise he'd stay and and uh, just feed people. I had a discussion with these pastors that we've been having this ongoing discussion on race. and we, we ran out of time, but we had a really discussion, good discussion two weeks ago because some of them, some of their point was that Christ came to bring justice. Therefore, our job as Christians is to fight for justice. If someone is oppressed, we should fight for them. And I said, if Christ came to bring justice, he could have taken care of Pilate and Herod on the same day. But he didn't. He goes before them, and then he lets them be the two that would conspire to kill him. By the way, there's a verse, in, I think it's in Luke. It's one of those where it's, it's very rare there's a verse in one not the other uh so the end of the gospels and it says that after jesus's arrest and crucifixion pilate and herod who had been enemies became very close friends
1: <laughs>
2: isn't that interesting mm-hmm. it was their conspiring to kill jesus that brought them together
1: well, was was herod. that, um, herod's wife told him not to mess with
2: this holy man yeah and i have to look this up and somebody else might look this up i think she becomes a saint somebody could look that up i think the wife of pilate becomes a saint check check that out somebody sure yeah so being really clear on what jesus's goal is for us is really important it's it's why reading the gospel specifically are so important we read them and understand what he's saying because you might hear it and then try to bend it to what we think is important or we think the goal should be whether it's justice or you know living in peace or whatever um when you read it and you just read it for what it's saying you realize wait a minute that's, that's my misunderstanding is a misunderstanding It's also why, and some of you were there, I know Rick and Susan, you guys were there to hear Jeannie Constantino at the Parishet Conference. Yes. One of the great things about her presentation was she wasn't just saying orthodoxy is better than Catholicism, orthodoxy is better than Protestant church. See, that's what people want us. They want to look at us as compare, like, well, they have this and we are better this, they're better than that, but we're all the same. What she was showing was orthodoxy is true Christianity. Does it make us better than Catholics? Because we as orthodox, again, we've been given everything. Have we shown proportionally with what we've been given? Are we doing what other people? Other people have been given very little, doing a lot with it. So we're not judging the people. But in terms of judging what the faith is, what she showed really clearly was this is what true Christianity is. This is how it works. This is how it changes us. This is what life is like as a true Christian. Our mentality today is like, oh, Orthodox, that guy's Catholic, that guy's Protestant, that guy's Baptist. And, and we might say, well, we're better than them. Or, It really isn't about comparison. It's saying there's only one true and complete Christianity. And again, we're not criticizing people that belong to other things. Most of them don't know any better. And let's face it, most of us don't even know orthodoxy. <laughs> we're, we're trying to like understand what we have here. So it's not a matter of, of judging anyone else. We're going to be judged more harshly. But of saying, okay, it's important. I really get what Christianity is really about and not what I want it to be about.
5: Uh, I checked on my phone here. It says Pilate's wife as St. Pro... Procla, P-R-O-C-L-A. There we go. Is venerated by the or- Oriental Orthodox Church and the Eastern Orthodox Church. The Eastern Orthodox Church celebrates Procla on October 27th, while the Oriental Orthodox Church celebrates both her and her husband, her and her husband, as oh. saints on June 25th. Interesting.
2: That's the Oriental Orthodox. I wonder what they, I wonder what they found out about Pilate later on that would convince them.
1: Well, Pilate says that after his wife says that to him, he says, "I wash my hands of the yeah, matter." Yeah, that's true. And because he leaves it to the crowd, to decide. Right. Although he could have interceded.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
6: But that but our immortalizes. Him.
2: Him. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, As, I mean, it was at his decision. Right, without his okay. Jesus isn't crucified. Although it's really interesting, Susie. It, it's not. Or do we we say that he was crucified under Pontius Pilate, mm-hmm.
0: right? right?
2: Yeah. But it's not clear whether that's a condemnation or a commendation. <laughs> right? How
0: would
2: it
5: be commendation? because he put to death the son of god who had to die for us
2: there you go now now, now yeah, we don't think he knew what he was doing but right. that at least if, as i'm hearing you say at least if, if the oriental orthodox consider him a saint yeah. I, I could i could start to see why not that he did it as a saintly thing right but who knows where his life goes from there i don't know much about him there's a big book that was written about him but somebody gave me a copy it's on my someday yeah. <laughs> bookshelf yeah.
1: Yeah. I like Aaron kept trying to to get out of that judgment I mean you know he he, he kept saying to you know, he said to Jesus what have you got to say in defense of yourself he wanted him to defend himself and then he wanted them to to choose Barnabas or Barabbas. 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 and
0: that was Pilate. Are you talking about Pilate? Oh, sorry.
1: Yeah. Pilate.
2: Yeah, it was pilot. Yeah. Yeah, he did try. He, did try. he said, I, "I find no crime in him."
1: And if he had released Jesus, I think they would have found a different reason to to um, crucify him. The, um, the the Jewish leaders.
2: Yeah, and that's why it's interesting. Um, I started reading Genie Constantine's other book, The Crucifixion of the Lord of Glory, um, oh. because it's really interesting. The Jews wanted Jesus dead, mm-hmm. but they didn't have the right to kill him. They had to go to the civil authorities for that. Right. Right. So it, it, it took both. And the civil authorities would have done it if the Jewish leaders hadn't brought Jesus and started the riot and the whole bit. So it, it, took the, it took the conspiracy of both of them together to, to get Jesus killed.
6: However, they did kill Stephen. Well, that's true. Here's something that Wikipedia says. Due to the gospel's portrayal of Pilate as reluctant to execute Jesus, the Ethiopian church believes that Pilate became a Christian and venerates him as both a martyr and a saint a belief which is historically shared by the Coptic church. Huh.
2: He ends up as a martyr. That's interesting. Doesn't say where or when or anything.
6: I need to read some more.
2: Interesting. Well, our time is up. Thank you, everybody. And we are meeting next week, and that's our last one until uh, August. We'll pick up sort of the middle of August again. Thank you, Father. Thank you all. Thank you, Father. I'm going to be gone.
6: Okay, it's a chat to you. 30th, we're here. See everybody. Bye.
2: -bye. Bye-bye. Bye.
6: Have a good day.